everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset. I'm Austin, your host, and this week got a pretty uh, interesting guest, pretty interesting topic. If I'm being completely honest with you, being joined uh, in this week's episode by Mr. Bill Blowers of Taprack Tactical, uh, and this is this is cool. You know, it's not often I actually get somebody who's a I would say almost a, and these are my words, you know, not Bill's, but head of industry expert. You know, a lot of people uh, in the training space, the LE space, look to Bill as an expert around shield, ballistic shield training. Um, he, he does a lot of it. He's been one of the pioneers. He has looked to in the LE community and in the firearms industry for guidance and expertise and things like that around ballistic shields. <clears throat> Something that maybe has applications on the civilian side. We talk about that a little bit. Certainly has a, a huge, just a, a huge uh, application on the law enforcement side of the discussion beyond just ballistic protection. Um, you know, there's additional uses, uh, applications, deployments, uh, reasons why having a shield, whether it's, you know, a soft shield or, large, small, we get into a bunch of, a bunch of stuff I never would have thought about, uh, really enlightening conversation. And I mean that, um, enlightening in that I, I just, there were things that, that Bill threw at me that I had no idea were, uh, were a part of, of all of this discussion. So it's really, really cool. Somebody that, you know, for a couple of years now, I've seen mentioned on, on videos online and things, and that I've, uh, wanted to bring on the podcast, finally was able, uh, reached out, got it scheduled. So, Super, super cool. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it um, and probably learn just a few, you know, maybe there's little nuggets of information, but maybe if you're in law enforcement, this is a good conversation for you and um, maybe you can, you know, work with your 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 leadership to get to, uh, you know, Bill to come out to where you're at, run a class for you and your department or your department and some uh, surrounding agencies. But uh, at any rate, really, really good chat. Um, going to get over that in just a second here have to say thank you to our presenting sponsors. As always, uh, Prepared Mindset is a sponsored podcast. We have some very awesome partners that we work with, and without their support, we would not be able to do some of the really, really cool stuff that we do. So first up, got to say thank you to Midwest Gunworks. Guys, Midwest Gunworks has been in the business since 1997. Head on over to their site, midwestgunworks.com. Check out all the parts that they have in stock. You know, if you're building an AR, trying to finish an AR, hey, maybe you just want to buy one off the shelf. The wife wants one, sees the videos. Maybe you're trying to get her one to get her into shooting and training with you. Hell, maybe it's your husband. Maybe you're the one doing the training as the wife and you want your husband to get more active in firearms. Head on over to MidwestGunWorks.com. Use discount code PREPAREDMINDSET for 5% off. Again, barrels, uppers, lowers, bolt carriers, they've got it all. They got magazines, lights, optics, and just in the last month or so here became a dealer of Edgar Sherman Design slings. So if you guys have seen the uh, ESD uh, slings around the internet, really, really well made, really cool product. Midwest Gunworks has them in stock. Again, prepared mindset is your discount code for 5% off. Head on over to MidwestGunworks.com and let the team there take care of you. Also, saying thank you to 100 Concepts. Guys, their motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. What else do you need to say? I would throw money at any company that has that, just that belief and that foundational system. But 100 Concepts is out there doing the good work. They came out with their light caps middle of last year, and it 
took the community by storm, innovative design, really, really catching on. And then they were able to take that and just flip it around, turn it into a scope cap. The design is great. People loved it. Uh, very, very affordable, which is huge. Their pack scrims, their helmet scrims, they have chem light kits, and now they sell the military grade chem lights too. They're addressing real issues that people have out in the applications, out in the field. Head on over to 100concepts.com, support what those guys are doing. Uh, you know, talk to Jonah, uh, talk to Pierce, uh, you know, great, great guys running an awesome company doing things for civilians like you and I that want to be better equipped and better prepared. 100 Concepts, head over to the website, check it out, pick up some swag, pick up some gear, do what you do, support a great, outstanding company. Also need to say thank you to LARP Labs. Guys, if you paint your rifle, you may not want to paint, paint your optic. It's just the way it works. That's where LARP Labs comes in. All right, you may not want to paint your optic, your light, your laser. You don't want to avoid a warranty. You don't want to ruin it. I've seen people ruin optics with bad paint jobs, ruin lights, and then you void your warranty because it violates whatever manufacturer's policy there is. LARP Labs makes high-quality 3M adhesive vinyls. So you don't have to paint your optic or your flashlight. <clears throat> Head on over to LARPLabs.com. John uh, set you guys up with discount code prepared mindset for 10% off of your order. So whether you're putting it on your handheld light, you're putting it on your PVS 14, he's always adding new models and cuts and things for laser units. I know he added the uh, D ball just recently. Um, you know, all kinds of good stuff out there, colors, patterns, what have you. This stuff is super durable. It's rated for three years outdoors. They use this shit on competitive rock crawlers, for God's sake. Really, really good stuff at an affordable price point. Head on over to larplabs.com. Again, Prepared Mindset will save you 10% off your order. Go check it out today. And last but not least, activecarrytech.com. Med is a huge part of what we do, folks. Talk about it with almost all my guests. Medical training is important. Active Carry is bringing American-made medical components to you for your access so that when tragedy strikes, you have access to the tools to make yourself effective and save lives. So whether you're picking up one of their Blazer IFAC kits, one of their Gamma kits, a breacher kit, you want a dangler for your plate carrier, pick up a breacher. Their Guardian Ankle Kit, awesome offering. Guys, they set up discount code PMP10 is going to save you 10% off the order no matter what you're picking up there. Head on over to activecarrytech.com, check out the components, check out the pre-built kits, use their custom kit builder to build your own kit to cover your own specific personal needs. Fantastic company, again, moving to American-made products, making sure you guys are all outfitted for when tragedy strikes. Last but not least, I do have to point out again that we do have a Patreon page, you guys. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. If you guys like what we're doing with the Instagram, if you like what we're doing here with the podcast, please consider giving us some support over on Patreon. It goes way further than you realize. Really, really thankful seeing some great growth, you know, storming into 2023. Access on that site to uh, targets to videos to exclusive uh, episodes and interviews and things. Really, really good stuff going on over there. Head on over to the Patreon, check it out, and give us some support. But without any further ado, I know you guys are sick of hearing me talk. Uh, you probably fast-forwarded through that, and you want to hear what Mr. Bill Bowers has to say. So without further delays from me, I am going to get us on over to my discussion, Bill Blowers of Taprack Tactical. 
Welcome to the podcast, Bill. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good, man. I'm I'm excited. Happy to have you on. Uh, you know, I uh, I've actually known about who you were for a couple of years now. I think you did one of those videos with like Panio Productions or something okay. way a couple of years back. No, um, I've never done something with Panio, but I've done a couple it, surefire field notes and stuff like that. Maybe it was that. And you talk about like tips and tricks and different. It's I've I've seen your name around a bunch. Um, so I know that you, you're out there doing, you know, the good work, spreading the good information for folks and, uh, or doing, doing the Lord's work, depending on the day of the week, you know, uh, um, so it, happy to have you on, sir. And, and really looking forward have been looking forward to this, you know, since we were able to get it scheduled. So, um, let's just start you know, kind of our usual bit here. If you can introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah. Uh, Bill Blower's a retired cop out of Washington state. I was a cop for 25 and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I was in the Army for six years um, on the training side of the house. I've been, like I said, retired. Been, I've been retired about five years. But in uh, so this kind of developed with my Army time uh, where I you know, got promoted to corporal. And then now I'm in charge of like two two dudes and, um, you know, being told you need to train these guys and, and you know, get them ready for the job and that kind of jazz. Uh, so I did that. Um and, and I think that it was interesting to me right from the get go because it really forced me to to be good at whatever I was teaching. Right. I, I just talking head and then you get questions from guys. You're like, well, I don't know the answer to that. Well, you know, I, I think if I'm going to be teaching it, I should probably have the majority of answers, not you know, not necessarily all of them. Um, but it was just stuff like that where it's like, man, I need to dig deeper in this topic to make sure that if I'm teaching somebody, I, I know more as much as I can about it. Um, and then trying to get the experience as well. So it moved up from corporal to sergeant and then section sergeant and that kind of jazz. So my, uh, the, you know, the groups of the audiences were getting bigger. Uh, I got out of the army after the first Gulf war, uh, I was married at that time, but my wife was not digging the army experience moving all, uh, all over the place. So got out, I had reenlisted, came back to Fort Lewis, which is home for both of us. I thought maybe that would, you know, she's close to family and stuff would, would help her out. And, uh, and it did just made her want me to get out more. So anyway, uh, started testing for police jobs. I uh, got hired by a small agency, um, stayed there about two years, and then moved on to a, a bigger agency just south of Seattle. Um, and then I uh, stayed there for my career. Uh, the, I think within the the, the second agency, uh, in firearms were always just an interest of mine. Um, I, I always have the opinion that as a copper, that, that's the one thing I can't fix, right? So if you don't have um, definable gun skills when you need them. Uh, there is no fixing that, but I could, you know, I could screw up all kinds of stuff, like write a crappy report and be able to go back and then write an addendum and, you know, maybe sure. fix that. Um, it may be mess up, you know, or I didn't gather this evidence for a case, um, but I could still potentially get that evidence into court with an addendum or, you know, through testimony, that type of thing. Um, but if the gun's required, um, it, you, what you, whatever you have at that moment is, is going to solve it or not. So, uh, very interested in that aspect of it. I uh, got lucky. I got onto the firearm staff. My agency did two things. You were, uh, you, when you first came on, you were a coach. Uh, so you couldn't teach or any of that stuff. You were just essentially running targets and and running guys through qualification. And then once you did that for a little bit, you could submit to go to the instructor school. So I did that pretty early on and just began teaching the uh, the firearm stuff to my, to my PD uh, and then got on the SWAT team in 1995 Started doing that jazz, uh, loved it. I uh, was obsessed with that assignment. Uh, just trying to be as good as we can be. Um, 
type of thing. And, and then the Washington state has a basic SWAT school um, that almost everybody sends their guys to you. There's no requirement or anything, but, but it's right there for you. So most chiefs will send their guys to the state school. Um, and then I started teaching at that school in like 2000. And, and that led to, of course, you're teaching guys and, and meeting them and, and getting to know them and crap. And, and then as time goes on, now they're becoming senior guys on their teams or team leaders and ATLs. And they remember the, the class you taught. So they would get a hold of me and just say, man, you, you know, you did a small uh, block of instruction on on breaching or shields or whatever at basic SWAT school. Can you come and provide a longer class for our team on those topics? Uh, and so myself and a buddy from Tacoma SWAT, he and I went together or went to high school together back in the day. Um, he was on their team. I was on my team. Uh, we, we made a little company up and, and started doing that together uh, for a small period of time. He, he was a very entrepreneurial guy and owned like a bunch of sandwich shops and other stuff. But I, I think the training business was getting in the way. So we disbanded that tra initial training company. And I started uh, my current company, Taprak Tactical, in 2006. Um, I was doing that as a side job, side gig while I was working, obviously. Uh, and then once I retired in 18, it became my full-time uh, job. And I've been you know, running around the country doing stuff. Been very lucky, um, you know, teaching uh, at, at the level that I am right now uh, was not, I mean, I get, it wasn't like something that I, you know, set out in life. I'm going to be a, a, you know, super duper tactical training man, travel over America as a, as a, as a goal in life. It just kind of came together. Um, yeah. And then of course, meeting, you know, relationships and meeting people and, uh, you know, hopefully putting out a good product kind of, I guess, help me expand it to where I'm at today, um, doing over 50 classes a year and, and going all over the country and, and not just for uh, law enforcement and SWAT guys, but also getting to meet good Joes and, you know, guys coming to the pistols and, and uh, carbine classes. Um, so it's, it's been great, man. It's uh, like I say it all the time, I'm very, very lucky to be able to do what I get to do today. And and, uh, and so that's kind of that. No, it's, it's that's like a long time of, of building towards where you're at, you know, today. I mean, um, didn't realize you had actually done, uh, a, another business before tap rack tactical. Um, <clears throat> and it's funny, actually, the, I've talked to, you know, several people interviewed several guys, right. And actually seems like a more common thing. It's almost like everyone does like that, that first, uh, endeavor. And you like, you learn a bunch of stuff and kind of figure out, you know, what I'm going to do next, what I'm not going to do. And it, I mean, it's all, it's all relative, right. It's all part of the learning process, even, you know, as an instructor, right. Absolutely. So much to learn outside of just, uh, you know, on the range and everything. Um, but one of the things that I know that, that you're kind of, I don't want to say known for, maybe you have a reputation for, or, or have done a lot of, so you're, you're kind of looked to as a, an expert of sorts really is around the shield work. Um, and that's something that I really have a lot of, I guess, just questions around, right? Because, um, you know, from a, an outside perspective, it seems like it's, it's obvious like, well, yeah, you would always use a shield. Why would you not? Um, and then you start finding out as you look into things, certain agencies don't allow it or they don't want you to do it, or you can only use a soft shield or something. There's all kinds of rules and things that go into it. So how did the, uh, you know, how did the shield thing really come about to where it became kind of a focal point for what you do? Man, it's, um, so it's, it, it is funny the, uh, it, that I am known for that. And I think partially because, so like I said, I came on the SWAT team, my team in 1995. At that time, we were a standalone team. We became a, a very large regional team uh, later on, about five years after I started. Um, and and I, the position that was vacated was a sniper position. 
So when I got on the team, got selected, uh, they said, hey, you're, you're going to go to snipers. And I was like, uh, to me, that was a weird thing coming out of the army. The sniper was always the senior guy and knew what he was doing and, you know, already had a background in, in whatever the heck. And there was kind of a, you know, in rank promotion, uh, lack of a better term. Um, sure. so I'm sniping and, and doing that job. Uh, I, I think they realized pretty quickly that they had uh, messed up from the get go because I shoot rifles left handed. So they handed me a right handed bolt gun and I'm a goofball looking like that dude off of uh, Saving Private Ryan. Remember that dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember trying to jack, jack the boltons and whatnot with my left hand, come over doing weird stuff. Um, and so they bought me a semi automatic um, rifle to, to be a sniper. Um, and and it, I, you know, it wasn't it was a bad position, I, and I give snipers crap all the time, you know, about how they p- pull out the, the jet boil and bring magazines into the hide and all that. Just shit. hang and out, they, yeah. They, they just hang out <laughs> doing nothing, and obviously they're doing a bunch, but it, it just did not suit my personality. And uh, about eight months into this, I was thinking, you know, my whole goal was to get on the entry team and, and do that jazz. Uh, and so about eight months on the team, nine months, something like that, the team leader uh, came into, uh, it was before a training day, and we had met at the station house in, in the briefing room. We we're talking about what we we're going to do. And he brought in a ballistic shield and he said, Hey, I bought this thing. Um, who wants to carry it? And yeah, you know, none of us knew. I mean, we know what it is, obviously, what it's supposed to do is stop you from getting shot, right. Right? You bullets up, but no one knows how to run the thing. And so I remember just raising my hand and I said, Is it get me in the house? And he said, Yeah, it gets you in the house. And I said, Well, then I'm your Huckleberry, I'll carry that some again, whatever you want me to. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, started with that and uh, carrying it around and myself and a, and a good friend of mine uh, were kind of trading that role off, but no training, no. Uh, you know, nothing uh, as far as guidance goes, it was just, you know, carry it around. And that came to, am I supposed to have my pistol out or do I sling a rifle when I'm carrying this thing? I mean, what, what am I doing with it other than just picking up, you know, movable cover and, and moving around? And uh, so there was a lot of trial and error stuff with it initially. Um, you know, we were running MP5s at the time. We we had early conversion kits with simunitions. I think we were shooting paint um, somewhere 1997, 96 or something. And that's enough. I mean, you know, so many uh, things being fortunate, we're working for an agency that gave a damn uh, about the gun and actually gave us a little bit of a budget so we could do, you know, like I said, be early into the game with with marking cartridges. Yeah. Kind of so anyway, we're 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 doing that. And, you know, how, what does the shield guy do? And so I'm stepping in and, you know, of course, you're getting, you know, getting taking shots with paint cartridge in the shield and I don't have a pistol out. And so. Okay, I'm going to have a pistol out because if I have to return fire, I need to be able to do that on my own type of thing. And then as well, I'm shooting one handed with a pistol because the other hand's full of ballistic shield. Um, and I don't like that at all. Right. I, I would much prefer to have a sub gun or a, or a rifle um, involved in a gunfight versus me trying to one handed, you know, shoot a pistol. Not just because of the, the the limitations of that on the on the capability side, my own capability, but the terminal side. And so then we were like, okay, and bear in mind, this everything was dynamic search warrant back in the nineties. You know what I mean? It was, we, everything was breach enter and 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 clear the target. And so we we're like, okay, we're, what we're going to do then is give a give you a guy with an MP5, and then you and that guy are going to essentially become one man. So wherever you go with the shield, he will follow. And and now you're not going into this situation armed only with a handgun. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and shooting it one handed. And of course that didn't work. So me and this fellow would enter if we chose right. It was really cool. Cause if our, our, you know, bad guy in training was in this corner that we chose, but then we would just tear him up. But if he was behind us, now it's the number three man that's finally coming in to pick up your backside exposure. And so we kept getting shot in the back of the head and the ass and all this crap. And this is not working very well. Um, yeah. And so we had to separate from that. Anyway, just a lot of lessons learned, I think, from carrying it for uh, for a, a lot of years um, and then trying to figure out what do we do with it. And 
finally getting to go to some, you know, a factory school and, and seeing what that guy had to say. And it was, to me, that was a lot of, uh, it, it was kind of nice to go to that factory school because there was stuff that I had come up with on my own that was working very well. And this guy was also preaching that same stuff. So I thought, okay, that's, you know, like, I guess on the right know, track. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Track and everything is about right. And then he would say, saying some other shit. And I was like, man, this is, that sounds dumb as hell. You know, we've already figured that out uh, and it didn't work. And here's why. Um, and I remember telling the instructor a whole bunch of stuff during that class about that, that don't work, man. And he's like, what do you mean? I, well, we, we tried it and, and here's what we got for a result, not just once, but on multiple occasions with marking cartridge. Um, and it, it was kind of, and, and luckily again, that dude wasn't, a, he wasn't a jackass. He was like, oh shit, that's interesting. Oh crap. I never thought about that. Um, I didn't read And I think just early on. And then uh, once I started teaching at the basic SWAT school, um, my reputation as a shield dude had already kind of um, made its way around, you know, the, the, the local teams and, and within Washington State. So that was one of the things I was teaching at basic SWAT school was the shield class. So then, of course, you got guys going back to their own teams. This Blimers guy was teaching the shield class and, you know, you know, we have one, but we're not using it effectively or we don't have one. Why don't we? Um, and then, of course, they're contacting you to come to teach the class. And it's, you know, it, it just it kind of became a thing. Um, it, it, and the reason it's kind of funny to me is I probably about six to seven years into being a SWAT guy, I became a team leader and I didn't carry a damn shield again. You know what I mean? Um, other than in training, um, because I was busy doing the team leader stuff. So other guys right. were carrying shields and, and doing that crap. Now I'm still obviously in, involved with all aspects of the team. Uh, and so it was, you know, as my, as my good mates would come up with a solution to something or, you know, they, Hey, I want to try this. You know, I want to, I want to tie a, a bald Eagle onto the shield and, and then launch him from the shield. That's what, how's that work? Well, but let's get a gold bald Eagle and let's try, try it out. You know, right, I mean? yeah. Um, and so we would, we were just fucking around with shit. And then I, I, I remember even as I was retiring, I would still pick the shield up on training rips and, you know, like tell my ATL you're running this one. And then I would just carry a shield on it just for the hell of it. Cause I, I think it was important that I could do all of the jobs on the team, but also I wanted to make sure I remembered what it was like to carry a shield armed only with a handgun and only one handed. Uh, shooting type of thing so um there's just that you know the, teaching that 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 class obviously went through the instructor schools and all that kind of jazz and, and then coming up with my own curriculum my own poi having a group of dudes my team to test stuff on as far as you know improving the lesson plan and improving how i was instructing and then you go to the state level um getting you know teaching that stuff and and then your reputation spreads and then i'm going to idaho and, and down to oregon i went up to alaska and taught a shield class um I, you know, it just kind of all expands and, and you just go with what the, uh, you know, what, what, what people want to want to hear you talk about, man. Yeah. So does that, so, I mean, uh, does the, has the technology grown with that as we've kind of, you know, traversed the past, I don't know, 25 ish years. I mean, it seems like a relatively simple concept. I mean, like a shield's a shield. Uh, it's, we've had them for thousands of years, you know, but I know <clears throat> there's definitely been some developments. I know things like, the even just like you know the size of the viewports and the windows on the shields have changed for a lot of different reasons um you don't have to you know i think i saw a video you talk about mounting lights on the shields like you don't have to jerry rig it anymore with zip ties and duct tape like you can there's actually shields with lights built in and controls wired in um what i mean what did that look like over uh, you know as we learn more right yeah so the 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 first shield that i was carrying was a um I think the OG company was ProTech, which is owned, I believe, by Safari Land now. But that was the first shield I had. It was a ProTech body bunker, and I think it was 38 pounds. God uh, the damn. View, yeah, the viewport was like, I mean, this Enough for your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> you know, and so I mean, the viewport's always going to be the heaviest part of the shield, particularly with with current technology, because the polycarbonate has to be as thick as it is to stop whatever the threat rating is, and that's where all the weight is located. So then, it's interesting. To, uh, certainly, technology right has come off right. The G watt was a great thing. Um, for a couple of reasons, obviously the innovation in weapons and some of the stuff that we got going on now, but also body armor and and just you know getting real licks in uh, against an enemy and 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 trying things out. And so that it's gotten they have gotten substantially lighter. Um, I mean, you can get a three A shield now for seventeen pounds with with a light system on it, and that's pretty damn manageable. I mean, that's that's half the weight that I started with. Um, yeah. You get a level a level three shield less than twenty five pounds now. Uh, viewports have gotten really big. Uh, you know they've gotten done a better job with that. Um, it's as where I'm sitting right now. It's kind of cool, man. Um, you know, having met a bunch of dudes in the armor industry, and and you know, I think just again notoriety. They you know they're reaching out and asking me questions about stuff, and so having some input on on new technology and what's going on with it um, has all. But it's also um, it's been nice for me to learn stuff. So I talked about the viewport being, you know, the heaviest chunk of the shield and, and being a dumb shit. I don't know anything about this crap, but engineers are now the whole shield is designed around the, the viewport to balance the entire weight of it. Right. Which I would have never thought of before. You know, why is it this big? Well, it's this big below the viewport to help balance out the weight of the viewport that's above the handle. Um, that makes so sense. That's yeah, probably just, helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, dummy never thought about that, but it does make sense to me as well. Um, the design of some shields. So there's some, uh, well, you're trying to draw it and they ain't going to see the same, uh, kind of shaped like a, uh, well, it's kind of shaped like a USPSA target, how the bottom comes in, right? It goes down on the edges and then flares in at the bottom. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's shields that are made like that. And just recently, I was like, you know, why are you guys doing that, man? Give me more coverage down there, right? I, mean, I got femoral artery, I got pelvic girdle, I got you know, all this, this structure down there and like what well, those kinds of shields are specifically cut that way for, um, for uh, tubular assaults, like, like bus assault aircraft where the seats are in are impedance. So they're oh, cut wow. in at the bottom to allow you to go through this, the, through the seats more, more, more easily. And it's just, you know, crap like that, where these dudes are constantly thinking, um, constant i mean if, if it's so a it's, reputable so it's ahead, really not it, it's really not a one size fits all i think no. that, that was i mean one misconception i i had right there like i think like you have your shield and your shield is your shield but as you say that it makes a lot of sense you know uh build it around your environment what do you need i mean like you said planes yeah. buses uh out in the open like that duh but i never yeah. i never even thought about that Yes. I mean, like my team has, uh, we have ballistic blankets now, right? Which have been around for a minute, um, but we have a, a rigid system. That's a level three. Uh, I think it's a three plus, so it'll stop green tip, um, but it'll break into panels too. So you have a five individual shields or you can bolt this whole mess together and, and create one big wall to, to sit behind. So, you know, if you're going to the back of the house, you can't necessarily drive an armored vehicle into somebody's backyard, depending on the neighborhood. So you have the ability to transport that thing. Uh, the 3A1 is uh, flexible, but it comes with a pole system. So I can turn it into a wall or I could use it at, for, as an example for a down victim rescue. We come in and drape, throw that thing over the down victim in case we're still getting shot at. And, and then, you know, essentially cover them up like a blanket um, and, and do that kind of jazz. So, that, I mean, there's that stuff. And then, you know, there's a million different types of shields out there. Some, some really cool systems that are coming out. The uh, tier tactical is making it. I think that's how you say it. T Y R uh, tier tactical is making one. Um, and it comes with a dolly. So you, it's two shields. One gets mounted upright, like normal. And the other one is flipped upside down. It goes in this dolly thing. It's like a golf cart that you're pushing ahead of you. So you've got Florida, you know, to, to head coverage. Um, 
so that's pretty neato stuff. Uh, there is some, I think, some dumb shit um, floating around out there. And, you know, the, as things happen and, you know, Uvalde being one of those uh, shields come to the forefront, you know, why were they waiting for shields and all this kind of crap? Well, then, of course, shield. I mean, this year alone, I, I probably have more shield classes scheduled this year than I have in the last three. Um, and, and so different shit starts to pop up to solve the problem. Uh, and one of those things is like clipboard sized ballistic shields, right? I, and this is a trick we were doing back in the day with my ticket book where I would take old body armor and cut a panel that was the same size as the ticket book, put it inside of it. And then as you walked up, you could kind of throw that thing up in front of your face, but you got that quick, you know. Well, you know oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just because they were old vests anyway, right? They're still stopping stuff, but they were outside the warranty period so that we would, we the guys wouldn't wear them anymore. So you just get, get out your medical shears and cut you a chunk and put it in there. Now there's companies making shields uh, that are that size. And they're trying to pimp them to police agencies. And unfortunately, um, sometimes purchasing happens at a very high level. Um, and and I'm like anybody's industry, I mean, anybody listening to this, you can probably imagine the president of the company trying to figure out what wrench you need. If you're a mechanic, you're like, that's the dumbest goddamn wrench ever because it, you know, it picks your teeth. Yeah, he and doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. But he thinks it's yeah. neato. Um, and so they buy these dumb things. Then they don't provide any training to anybody. They just put them in the cars and you go back to Bill Blowers in 1995 where a guy doesn't even know what the hell he's doing with it, but he sees the limitations almost instantly, meaning I got to shoot one handed now and how much of this is it really covering and, and crap like that. And then they just they go in the trunk and they never come back out again because the guy doesn't understand what he can be doing with them. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of different stuff, um, handles that are coming out now, um, seeing a lot of crap. And, and then, you know, you I, I go to class, one of the things in my class as we spend half a day you know, whipping each other's ass with shields, because that's a big chunk on the on the police side. We don't. I mean, we shoot very few people if we're being honest about it. Um, but we end up with a lot of physical scuffles. So how can you use the shield to defend yourself from you know from a a guy fighting you? And how can you also use the shield as an offensive weapon, um, but also including you know corporate cut handcuffing and all the other stuff that cops have to do with them. And so some of these needle handles come out and they look super bitching uh, and, and they potentially help some of the balancing of the shield. But I always yeah, I see them in the class and I'll tell guys I'm going to fuck you up with that handle, man, because they can't get out of them. Does that make sense? It, it traps them on the shield. Now I have a 20 to 25 pound leverage point on you that I can use to drive you into the ground and do a bunch of shit with. And yeah. so I, I hear all the time guys go back to the agency like, man, boss, man, I, I took the Dremel tool, like you said, and cut those fucking elbow hooks off and you know, did all this shit. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like it's it's not like it's uh it's not you're not, we're not talking Captain America here. There's no leather straps around your forearm. I mean, I'd, I would assume I've never used a shield, but I would assume that'd be a pretty bad day if you're strapped into something like that. I mean, correct. That is a know. horrible thing. And some of them are coming <laughs> now with actual straps that snap on and well, it's supposed to break away. Okay, let's let's see if it does, and it never does. You know what I mean? It's uh, so I, there's a lot of good ideas that end up being bad, and I think that's part of the innovation piece. I think there's some stuff, um, I, you know, I, it, the analogy I use is, you know, I don't know what you drive, but as an example, if I purchased you a perfectly good, reliable 2020 Buick LeSabre, that would definitely get you to work and get go get you some groceries, but it sure as shit ain't sexy, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you drive it. You probably drive a Lesabre, and I just mentioned your car, didn't I? No, I, I drive a Jeep actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's I it's good that you mentioned the physicality part of it because I mean, I think, uh, you know, in the last I don't know, I I'm I'm gonna say the last five years, probably close to the last ten years, whatever, maybe even more. We see more focus in law enforcement around. Unfortunately, guys, they have to pay themselves to do it, but training like 
jujitsu. They train in combatives and non-lethal and stuff. Um, so it's interesting and kind of neat to hear that that's actually incorporated. I'm sure to, at least to some extent, the combatives piece with something like a shield instead of just literally being, you know, a fucking bullet magnet. And in the, the literal sense of this is just going to protect me. It can also be, uh, I mean, literally, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's a less lethal alternative than, you know, pulling a gun and shooting a guy. Right. It is. It absolutely is. And that, I, I, so, man, that is the, uh, I think that's the piece that gets overlooked quite a bit, to be honest with you. Right. And so if you, anybody that's carried a shield for a minute, you know, for real, and they've gotten the non-compliant guy, um, you know, the, the phrase is I shield surfed him. Right. I mean, that you go over the top of him, essentially just tackle him with the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is a thing, but it's not the only thing. Right. And so I, I think it, it, it goes back to what I mentioned from the get-go on that shields are coming out and guys don't really get any training with them. They just, you know, here's a shield you carry it around. And so if they are confronted with a, a non-compliant guy who's got his dukes up most of the they just bum rush him and, and generally flatten him, you know, through just bodies. Right. I mean, yeah. everybody's getting involved in this thing, but there are absolutely ways that you can use it more effectively and do stuff with it. Um, but if no one's ever showed you, then, then you're either, uh, if no one's ever showed you, you don't know what you're lacking. And then I think the other thing is that shield surfing a dude will generally work. And so now you've gotten success of doing the thing and it becomes the only damn thing. And you don't even bother exploring. Are there other ways I could be using this tool uh, to be more effective? And, that, and you talk about uh, jits coming in. All, I mean, we quit going. My agency stopped using the Academy's um, DT program. Hell, 10 years before I retire, so over 15 years ago now, because we saw what was happening, right? Guys are being taken to the ground or, or, or we are taking people to the ground, which is the other component, because it's just, you know, that's a better place to handcuff a fighting guy. But once it's on the ground, it's everybody's game. Um, and so how does that, you know, how, how can I be using the shield to prevent me from getting choked out, which is if I, as a, I, it would be very, very difficult for a, a well-trained jujitsu guy to choke me out if I had a hold of my shield. He essentially has to strip the shield. Otherwise, I'm going to keep putting it in spots where right. he can't get the choke to be applied because the shield's in the way. You know what I mean? Um, and, and there's just crap like that that I, I don't think a lot of people delve into and, and probably because they're just not... On the patrol side of the house, they, they sure as hell don't get used a lot. And if they do, it's usually the patrol guy is just going to pick it up and hold it and somebody will cover for him. On the SWAT side of the house, there's a whole bunch of different tactics, techniques, procedures out there. And sometimes the shield doesn't blend in very well with how teams are clearing stuff. Um, and so they don't use them at all. Uh, they'll only use them for during slow clears, which means the likelihood of that, you know, quick in meeting engagement with a, with a non-compliant combative, combative guy becomes less and less op- uh, of an opportunity. And so they just they, they don't get the the repetition with it to to see what they can actually do with it, um, and and I think that's unfortunate. Which is I, I I'm sure there are other guys to, you know running shield classes that talk about the combative piece, but I've heard from several dudes that have been to my class and others that it wasn't covered anywhere else other than in my class. So, but I think oh, that's a direct result. A my huge, yeah, it's a huge piece of it. I I, I would think you would want to try and because we talk about it with everything else in the tactical space, and you've you know I'm sure you've been around long enough to see and hear. You know, like you were saying earlier, you know, there's a way to make money and some of these companies come up with just, just dumbass ideas and things. But why not try and leverage every piece of kit that you have to be as, uh, you, you know, multi-purpose as possible to therefore minimize the amount of shit A, you have to train on, but have to carry. You know, I mean, even with those weight reductions, I mean, it's 20 pounds or 25 pounds for, I think you said a level three shield is still I mean, after, you know, a couple of minutes, that's not exactly light anymore. It's, it's pretty right. taxing, I'm assuming. 
It is without question, man. And, and um, I, I joke all the time, right? It's one of my sticks, but I talk about my big ass American arms, right? And why, why my arms <laughs> are so huge because I carried a shield for six years. It's just me being a dumb shit. Uh, but there's some truth to that, right? That which is the other thing is you got to select the right guy to carry it. Um, I, you know, if it's a if if it's some type of free flow warrant service where you're going to breach, enter, and clear, right? You just start doing the thing. Uh, most dudes could could manage that because it's a very short time frame typically, right? You own the structure pretty damn fast. Um, but slow clears, um, you know, where you're taking the house inches at a time because you're not sure what's going on inside of it. Uh, th that can become very taxing. Now, the upside on those slow clears is generally I, there is time to put cover guys in the right spot so I can holster and then just hold the shield with both arms, which, of course, is going to extend my um, my time on the shield before I get fatigued. Um, the the cl slow clears also afford the opportunity to switch out, right? So it's, hey, Justin, I'm, you know, it's starting to hit me. Okay, then I'll carry for the next 15 minutes, and then I come back in and back and forth, that type of thing. But, again, you got to work it into your tactics and uh, – so I, there's dudes that just don't use them nearly enough. And there's guys I think that are overusing them, which is the next downside, which would be over-reliance on it, right? We can't do anything without the shield in front of us. Uh, or if it's not the right rated shield, then I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything. Um, and, and I think Uvalde is an example of that, right? Where they got kind of trapped with bad guy has a rifle. We only got pistol rated shields. Uh, therefore, we can't do anything until we get a rifle rated shield. And, yeah. and maybe the better option is just to ban the damn shields and and get after it with with the other tools that you have in your toolbox, like a, like a rifle. Um, and, and so I think that's the other thing is you got to make sure that you're putting it in the right spot at the right time uh, and and recognizing that not everything requires a shield either. Sometimes it's just mindset and you know if yeah. you believe the oath you took, sometimes you just got to put it out there and, and and go win, man, and that's it. Yeah, no, I mean it. Yeah, uh, I I think it, to specifically, you know, Evalde, if you only have pistol rated shields, I mean, okay, then uh, th that you know it makes it a pretty clear option, right? Like, okay, so do we carry the shield? It's not going to help us. It's probably just going to be a hindrance, or do we dump it and go without? That's in my mind. And again, I, I mean, I'm I never served in the military as never law enforcement, but in my mind, those are your two options. I sitting there and waiting for 45 minutes for all that shit to go down. Like really that inaction should never be an option, you know? So, um, <clears throat> I mean, realistically, you know, you, you have what you have. Um, you, there are limitations in every scenario, right? So, uh, you make the decisions around that. I, you know, from a, a from a, a shooting and training perspective, I would think that that, or, or maybe hopefully that's something that people bake into some kind of training scenario somewhere down the road, you know, Hey, um, here, you got the team together, you know, um, here's your shield. It's a three, a shooters got a rifle. What are you going to do? I don't know. I mean, you could probably, maybe you could still leverage the shield as concealment. It's not cover, but I mean, I mean, there's, there, maybe there's alternative options. I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I, yeah, in that, in that case, and obviously like you've all worst, case scenario i think in terms of yeah. response and reaction and processing and things and um and i don't even know if they had shields there on until you just mentioned it, i didn't even look into it i was uh, personally yeah, they, had, they had 3a shields forever and they were uh like you know that was one of the things we're waiting for a rifle shield knowing the bad guy had a rifle so there, i mean there's a, a ton of stuff with this right and uh you know prior to this you asked you know hey i'm sure you don't want to talk about doctrinal things it's, i don't give a shit none of it's secret and, um and so i I will hear sometimes, right? So agents will buy a 3A shield uh, or multiple 3A shields from a 
patrol. Um, and I, in my class, I'll generally get it's cops only usually, right? Because the facility, yep. um, they're the, the organization's facilities mandate. It's got to be LE only. The other thing is very few dudes are willing to purchase an $8,000 shield for their home. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a, mm. a normal home defense item. So the expense of getting the shield is a thing um, in and of itself. So I get a mix of SWAT guys and patrol guys. Hey, the agency just bought a bunch and they sent me this thing to try and teach patrol how to use them. And then on the SWAT side, of course, we got them. No one really knows what the hell we're doing or our SHIELD guy is, is resigning or retiring from the team, whatever. Um, and so the, the, it comes up all the time. Hey, we bought three A SHIELDs. If, if you know we're going on a call out, uh, a barricade subject that has a rifle, uh, I, I'm just going to leave the son bitch in, in the truck. And my response is, well, is that the only gun he's got? And the answer is, you don't know. That's a good uh, so point. Yeah, I know he's got a rifle, but does he also have a shotgun and pistols and this and that? And does he understand what threat ratings are or 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 not? I mean, does he understand that? I mean, as a gun dude, you I'm sure you have met people that will tell you that the, the 12 gauge loaded with double out is the best damn gun ever. Uh, you know, and solves yeah. all your problems. And so that's Hollywood training. We know better, right? Terminal performance right. Out of is going to be better. But if you consider most bad guys, which is who I'm talking about, they are very, very poorly trained. They're vicious as hell. They'll kill you in a heartbeat, but they won't. They're not good at shooting. You know what I mean? They don't understand mm -hmm. everything that's happening um, with terminal performance. So the dude's Hollywood training, he might like the big boom and, the, you know, the big recoil of the shotgun and in his head that equates to the ability to kill these cops yeah. more better, right? Versus, and then right. my daddy's 270 in the closet. Well, I ain't getting that dumb bolt gun out. You know, I'm going to run this pump shotgun and wear these fools out. Okay, well, the, the shield is value added at that point. Does that make sense? It's yeah. huge value in that. The other thing um, is as we, uh, you know, got armored vehicles in and, and that kind of, I talked about the blankets we had, so we, we, we kind of transitioned to the blanks. But in between, on a barricaded subject, right, a single barricaded guy and he's armed and that kind of crap, the, the space between the two wheels is open space. So if he has the right angle, he could potentially start either uh, sending ricochets or direct firing into your legs, ankles, and that kind of crap. Uh, and so we want the blankets to fit between the two wells and take uh, wheels, uh, wheel wells and take up that space so that we were, as we're standing around waiting for a warrant or waiting for negotiations or whatever, obviously we're being protected. Um, and so I, with, with that, we're wondering, you know, what will stop shit? And, and here is an interesting uh, thing. And that is I started skip firing rounds into old 3A shields from rifles. Um, and, and I have yet to have one get through a shield. So if, the, if it hits an intermediate barrier, it's obviously doing something, particularly to 5.56, five, right? Anything that disrupts that bullet in flight. And I have not been able to push a 5.56 five, round through a shield from skip firing it off the concrete. And then the same thing, of course, the next question is, well, what happens on the horizontal? So if it's sheetrock and the angle is oblique enough, if it hits sheetrock first and then ricochets down the hallway or comes off the wall to head down the hallway, will the shield stop that? And it's exactly the same thing. If I disrupt the bullet's flight, right, then uh -huh. the shield, the 3A shield may give you a lot of goddamn protection. And so I wouldn't even necessarily abandon it, even if I knew a dude was armed only with a, a 5.56 rifle. I'd still use the son of a gun because you might get lucky, right, and, and stop some ricochets that would have either hurt you, which may take you out of the fight, or and or potentially kill you if they hit you in the right spot. So, the, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff because guys don't test them or, or mess with them enough that they the questions aren't answered um and that's another thing we do in the shield class the host if if they have an old shield i always ask them to, to provide it and then we shoot it to destruction right let's, let's see what it'll stop let's see how many we can put in the viewport before we get a pass through round how many rounds can i st stack on top of a single spot on the shield so if i was a dumbass and stood there perfectly still and let you keep shooting the exact same spot over and over and over again 
how many rounds until something passes through, which is yeah. a shitload is the answer. There is obviously no <laughs> science to that. Um, but, but I mean, there's a million reasons that I might want to bring a 3A shield into this thing. Putting dogs into the attic, they're great for that, right? So the dog gets used to it. You put the shield on the ground, down the dog on top of the shield, and then four dudes lift the damn shield up, and the dog launches off the shield right into the attic space because he can't climb that, the ladder. Obviously. And that sounds like some of that Hollywood shit, like the, the skip yeah. firing and then the, in the dog there. That stuff, it, I mean, you see it on TV probably because it looks cool. But like, Probably, right? It, and everything I still do is, man, you have, so my hope is you're wearing a, a, a level three plate. That's what your agency purchased for you, right? Mm-hmm. In this day and age, you should have a PC, level three plates, and all that kind of crap. If you don't, then you can't stack 3A performance, right? Um, so the shield is 3A, my front armor is 3A, my back panel is 3A. Um, I have intentionally stacked that up with a dummy with duck seal. Um, and I've shot through all of that crap. If it's not rifle rated, it's not rifle rated. And, and so you should still be wearing level three plates. Uh, you know, the other thing I always bring up to dudes is, man, okay, it's, I trust the armor companies, right? There's no doubt with, with current NIJ uh, uh, requirements, anybody that's reputable is, is making sure they put it through that independent testing. But if the, the shield companies themselves, their armor companies themselves, they're not going to send, you know, janky shit to, for the expense to get it tested, knowing it's going to fail. So they're going to go overboard yeah. on what it will stop to ver- to make sure that it does meet the NIJ requirement because they want the checkbox to be able to sell it uh, to agencies and, and people, right? And and so while I'm saying it's 3A, there's a pretty good possibility that it may stop more than 3A, but I can't, I can't say that because it doesn't go all the way to level three. Does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't completely get you there. So you, you right. have to keep your lowest uh, achievement. Yep. 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 So, I, you know, what it will stop uh, is probably a little bit more than 3A, man, um, because they're just building that, that redundancy into it. Not to mention they, all of those dudes, they don't want anybody to get killed. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, I mean, think it just right to the ragged edge of 3A, that, that's not sufficient. They, they want to make sure this son of a gun is going to stop everything 3A. So they overbuild the shit out of them. And so I, you know, I don't know what you got. Maybe you got three B, which ain't really a thing, right? But you get my point. Is yeah, it, it it's, it's close. You got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I mean, to me, it's almost like you know, as a civilian, when we look at buying, when guys ask me, or when I look at buying, you know, armor plates for myself or something, like why, you know, oh hey, I can get soft plates. They're super light. Oh, it's so comfortable. I go, well, all right, well, you know why would you do that? You know, like why? So, I mean, I guess why would you not go to level three or three plus or four, you know, I mean with shields and, and I guess, you know, with everything law enforcement, especially these days, it feels like it all comes down to dollars. Unfortunately, is that, I mean, is that pretty much the biggest reason, you know, just because the three A are cheaper. Yep. That is a chunk for sure. Um, and you can't know anybody that tells you that's not it is a liar that there clearly is that right. Particularly if I'm trying to buy a foreign organization, I don't want just one shield. If I have, you know, an entire patrol division working in a, in a large jurisdiction, one shield's not going to get there in time. So now I got to purchase multiple shields and then spread them out through my jurisdiction to make sure they're available if a guy needs it. Um, and of course the expense is something that, that you have to consider. That, so like it or not, right, um, not everybody has big ass American arms. And so the difference between seven and eight pounds might be absolutely catastrophic for somebody. And I always mention this, you know, to dudes that have done any weightlifting, um, your PR is is whatever the fuck it is today on the flat bench. If I add seven pounds to that, you ain't getting that today. Right. It's, it's a bridge too, you know what I'm saying? It's a bridge too far, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it could be one pound for Christ's sakes. And now you can't lift that 
that weight anymore. Uh, and so there is some of that with, I mean, the size and weight, particularly when you're issuing it to or expecting that everybody will use it, which I've always thought is dumb. We are not all equal. Let's just be honest about it and say, you're not carrying this today, little fella. You're, I, I got other jobs <laughs> that you are going to do. Um, yeah. But, but you're a moron as a supervisor if you're thinking everybody can carry it around because they, they they just absolutely freaking can't, man. So there is that. And then I think the last thing is that, um, you know, the shit that's in the news, of course, with with everybody wanting to ban guns like that, like it's the inanimate object. That's the problem. There's stories that make the news are typically going to be AR based, but the predominant threat in law enforcement is still the handgun. That's the thing yeah. we see most often. That's what most bad guys have. And so 3A all of a sudden is, you know, if you're playing odds type of thing, um, you're, you're going to handle, you know, a good, good percentage of what you're going to encounter with a 3A shield. So I think all of that stuff, when you pile it up and the fact that, you know, there is a budget, man, I've never been a chief of police. Um, you know, he's got to buy toilet paper and everything in between. And so how yeah. does that budget hash out for a fella? Uh, and I think sometimes good intentions, I, you know, I want to provide a higher level protection for my guys, but I can't afford level 27 uh, protection, but I can do this 3A shit and, and maybe that's good enough. And I, I think that's why we end up with those small clipboard size shields, the smaller head and neck size shields, um, because they are end up being cheaper. And I can put a crap load of those out in the field that might do somebody some good. And I, but I don't think they understand that the limitations of those, they just end up sitting in trunks and nobody ever uses them. So the, yeah. there is a there's a, there's a a point where you you got to have certain things um, and then above that maybe you don't and then below that you damn sure don't because you're just wasting money. Yeah, and and it's it, I think part of it too, you know, like you you've mentioned it is just the access to the training. The you know, hey, we we spent we can spend this much money on on the equipment, whatever. Um, but then do we have it in the budget to provide adequate training and? Uh, I mean, I w and it sucks. You know, I, that's one of the things that I, I I hate about the discussion with law enforcement today is that you know sometimes cops are just put in the position right now where you got to pay for your own training. You want access to the information. You want to make it home alive. You have to seek out better than what your department offers you. But I mean, God, given the choice, I'd almost rather say, hey, just buy the shield. Let me take it to the class. I'll I'll fork the you know the money out of my own pocket. It shouldn't yep. have to. Like, I'll be very clear for anybody listening, right? Like I, I don't agree with that, but I would say given the choice between giving me a shittier piece of equipment so that you can afford to give me a little bit of training on it, I would rather go, you know, seek out my own training with a better piece of equipment that I don't have to put, you know, out of my own pocket and it's going to do better for me, um, uh, in, in the long haul. Yeah. Right. I, I, I... I get the frustration, right? Particularly in, on the gun side of the house. I, I have always liked shooting. It's a hobby of mine. Uh, again, very fortunate to work in, in a department that I, I could shoot 24 7, 365. Uh, I remember getting hired there and being told you can shoot till you're knee high in brass every damn day here, and we don't care. And I remember thinking, I'm going to, oh, wow. I'm about, I'm about to I'm find try, out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to see what happens. But that ain't everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I still encounter agencies that don't have, I mean, bare minimum stuff that you would think, what, what do you mean you don't have X type of thing, right? It's 2023 for shit's sake. What do you mean you don't have that stuff yet? And they just don't have the budget for it. Uh, I, I think their thing too on the, on the gun guy side of the house is that the, the gun and the badge are the symbols of the job, right? When you think of cop, those are the two things that, that pop up, Yeah. but there's a whole lot of cops 
um, that that ain't that, that ain't why they became a cop. You know what I mean? They they wanted to help people and or you know pull out a magnifying glass and go find clues or whatever the shit. And so they may be paying for their own training, but it's not on the hard skills on the tactical side of the house because to them their job is to go find fingerprints and and hairs and other bullshit and they want to be really good at that so they may be sinking their own cash into those type of classes and then foregoing some of the tactical stuff because it's you know if you look at statistics there are more cops that have never shot somebody than cops that have right that's still a pretty low percentage in america yeah. so they just weigh shit out i mean a, a, a good friend of mine um you you would not want to have a fist fight with this dude, no matter what, right? He 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 is a he spends a lot of time, effort, and money to be very very proficient uh, at, at the hand to hand stuff. But he sucks with a gun, right? And I, I remember telling him, "Bro, you need to come up to the range, man." He's like, "I ain't got time for it, man. I need to stay physically fit." So he's going to the gym and lifting heavy shit because because strong people are harder to kill. And then he spends time twisting dudes into pretzel shapes, man, because the bulk of what he has done in his career has been that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so there's that. And I think the last thing too is, well, you know, if I was a cop, I'd go to my own training. Well, okay, cool, bro. It depends where you work right now. You're making $13 an hour. You got four kids. You got a stay at home wife. How does that fit into a mortgage and yeah. car payment and food and, and everything else that a guy has to do? So he may want it desperately, but he just can't afford to, to get to a class no, and, you, you have to i mean i like i i've seen i've i have friends in law enforcement have sent me videos of them uh you know running training classes an instructor or or helping and just observing and you know you send some of that stuff out to your buddies out on the uh on on the web that are more experienced le guys and it's like dude i don't you i wish you could see the face i just made that is not that is not right uh and even further, you know, uh, n at no point do we ever rise to the occasion with anything. So anybody that thinks that, you know, you're going to pick up, uh, you're just going to magically get better under stress with a handgun of all things, whether, I mean, and even let's even put that in the context of you're carrying a shield so you can shoot one handed. Uh, you're never going to just make it happen. You know, I don't care who you are, how close it is. It's never just going to happen. You have to practice and you have to train on it and you have to understand that you're probably actually going to be not even probably you're going to be worse in the moment than you are when you're out on the range without the stress there. That's just, that's real, you know? Um, so when we're talking about, you know, uh, the firearm side of things and it's, so I guess kind of in conjunction with the shield stuff, because some of the things you see and hear about, like I almost don't believe until you start looking into it, but like guys carrying two pistols with a shield because they get more options and things. So when did that come along, you know, in, in, in the scheme of things? And is it really a viable solution given that like shooting one handed is difficult enough? Like I'm not good at it. I'll be very honest shooting, you know, with just my right hand shooting my left handed. Like I suck. I, I would, I would genuinely have concern over taking that shot. This is basically a definition of low percentage. Um, when did, so how does that fit into like what you teach with the shields and everything? So again, going back to the day, right? Uh, carrying a shield around, and uh, this predates weapon-mounted pistol lights, even, right? Not, nobody on my team had even a weapon-mounted light, um, and so this is, you know, just just a damn handgun. And uh, back in the day, we had huge, these huge, like he car headlight halogen lamps that were mounted to the to the front of the shields. Had an external battery pack. Uh, I remember had to, I had to carry the battery on a sling because it looked like a, the size that you would put into a, like a like a yard tractor today, like a, like a John Deere lawn. That sucks. Right? 
That yeah, sucks. You plug into it just like a cigarette lighter in a car. Does that make sense? Now the upside yeah, is my God. on the on the slow clears that took a long time. We were getting in, you know, an incredible 100 lumens and you know 10 minutes of, of runtime per battery back in the day. And so we had a bunch of those batteries and dudes would carry the spare battery for me. So as my shield light started to die, I could unhook, give me a new battery, hook it in, and then sling that one and, and continue on with the mission type of thing. That's miserable. So, that sounds yeah, fucking yeah, awful. Brutal, absolutely brutal, right? Um, and so now how am I going to aim this pistol if I need it? So, of course, I have to stick my arm and hand around the outside of the shield, line up my sights through a viewport, which usually meant you had to camp the pistol to some degree. So now your recoil impulse is all jacked up, right? And it's not even normal strong hand only shooting where the pistol is generally going to stay in the same condition as when you're shooting with both hands. Now you're rolling over to the gangster lane. You're getting that weird recoil impulse that wants to go down as for a right-handed guy down into the left. And so there's a, yeah, if you don't get your arm out far enough, now the slide is impacting the viewport and causing a, a nasty malfunction that is you can't clear one-handed very easily. There are methods to do that. Uh, and so it just creates a whole bunch of problems uh, across the board. So I remember bitching a little bit saying, hey, man, uh, you know, I, I need the ability to see better the shield light if it's going down right at the moment that this thing pops off. I, I don't have any forward white light. You know what I mean? It's just it, mm -hmm. it, it needs something. And so the agency, at, the team at the time bought a uh, laser devices, which was the precursor to Surefire, uh, but they bought a laser devices, weapon mounted light. It bolted onto a SIG Classic series, which is what I was carrying at the time, a SIG 226. Um, but the head of it, you had to pick what you wanted. It was either a white light or you could unscrew the whole damn head and then put a laser diode in it. And so when we bought the package, I was obviously only interested in the white light component of that. Uh, put the white light into it. Now, okay, I, that's cool. I got my own light source and, and and shit like that. But then I started messing around with the laser beams a little bit um, and seeing how does this work? Is it's easier to aim it? So I'm not trying to line up iron sights through a piece of glass with a canted pistol. Can I just project the laser out there? And at typical room clearing distances, is it going to be accurate enough? Is it going to hold the zero good enough? All that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I started keeping that laser on more and more often. And then it, it, it was not a great system at the time. Your laser, your zero would shift every time you fired the gun, not dramatically so, um, but not precise. Does that make sense? It wasn't the yeah. same as current stuff. Um, and so I was like, okay, I, I see my limitations with this a little bit, obviously on approach, right? So if it's, I'm still 30 yards out from the target and a junk guy jumps out the front door with a machine gun spraying everything probably not going to do it i'm just going to let the guys with rifles you know use the portable cover and and then they will engage that guy so you start to see what that limitation looks like uh, the laser beam stuff allowed me to keep my arm and hand behind the shield and i could just kind of roll the pistol out to the side of it and and have the trigger guard grounded on the right side of the shield as a right-handed shooter so now i can see the laser beam through the viewport i don't have to push my my meat out in front of it uh, and the thing that started making me do that was was uh, market cartridge right just kept getting shot in the hand and arms all the time when we were doing stuff which is i mean sure. it's painful right it's just a market cartridge so I, obviously i'm not dropping the gun or you know how it's a it's a little blood blister or something but it ain't like it's you know debilitating you know but it makes you start to think what if those had been real bullets that hit me in the elbow forearm in two of my fingers on this hand now right where i'm, I'm getting these welts from being shot with market cartridge um you know, could that be catastrophic on the day if it were real bullets, right? Where or would those injuries create something that now either I'm dropping the handgun or I can't return fire because my hand is so fucked up um, type of shit. And so the, the laser came into that. Um, lasers obviously have gotten a lot better. And then the second thing is um, 
everybody uh, making entry into a target on a SWAT team is carrying a long gun and a handgun. And I started asking myself, why are you guys carrying two guns? And the answer is obvious, right? It was a rhetorical question in case mm -hmm. my rifle goes down or, you know, if I run out of ammunition, if I experience a malfunction, uh, if the rifle is shot and, and, you know, it no longer operates or works because it's been hit with gunfire, I need a second gun to be able to transition to, to be able to stay in the fight and do all my business. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's super. I agree hundred percent with that concept. Where is my second gun? Right. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, I need a second gun too, for all of the reasons that you just mentioned. So I need to be issued a second pistol uh, and I'm going to put it some damn where um, in case this one goes down. Now, early on, I wasn't thinking about uh, the tactics necessarily. I just want a second gun for all the reasons that everybody carries a second gun. Um, and so I ended up getting a, a second pistol. Um, nothing again, this is, predates a lot of good stuff that's out there now so you know having never been shown how i'm going to carry this second gun around me initially i was like all right i'm just going to get a bullshit cheap ass uncle mike's holster of the right size i'm going to hang it from the handlebar of the shield and i'm gonna have that second gun in the shield that way if i'm out right-handed and it gets shot out of my hand or i drop it or whatever the second gun is ready to get pulled out of it with that contingency it made sense to me at the time to set it up so i could draw it with my left hand because I'm assuming my right hand is either messed up and can't shoot a gun no more or whatever. Is that right? Yeah, give you flexibility. Yeah. Um, and so even if I lose, yeah, if I if I get two fingers shot off my hand as an example, I could probably still hold the weight of the shield up, or right? it's going to be a weird lobster looking claw hand or some creepy looking shit. But I can make <laughs> it happen and then get the piss off the second. So started messing with that a little bit and then we go back to the defensive tactics part of this shit and that is if i encounter the wrong guy who's just physically stronger than me more athletic than me whatever and he rips the shield out of my hands i'm delivering a pistol with ballistic protection to him all he's got to do is flip around i've given him everything he needs to win the fight and at that time we were armed with mp5 so the 3a shield is going to stop everything that the mp5s are spitting out now that changed a little bit with rifles obviously and we can punch through the shield but nonetheless it's still a bad proposition to have a gun not directly under my control and so because of that and because i worked for an agency that was a quartermaster system and they issued everything you wanted i said just give me a left-handed gun because obviously we had left-handed officers as well as right-handed officers or a left-handed holster rather than a left-handed gun um and so they just issued me a second holster and, the, and I mounted to the belt and it just rode there as my backup gun in case I needed it. And then that dovetailed into on the slow clears, if I'm as a right-handed guy, right? If I'm working to the left, right, pieing a corner or doing something on a slow clear, I have a gun leading now as I'm pieing that corner. Does that make sense? So the shield yeah. and me and the gun, everything is being led. And initially, guys, like, well, you, you're going to have a rifle on a slow clear, right? A guy on a rifle is going to be working in conjunction with you when you pie that corner. And I was like, that's true, but what if the bad guy gets the shot off first and it hits that guy right between the goddamn eyeballs and he goes down immediately, which is going to happen if he gets that injury. I am the only gun in town until another rifle guy is able to get up there. And based on space, that may take a little bit while we're mm -hmm. trying to manage the down guy and or stuff you into this very tight space, which is another thing people don't consider is that a shoot house is not the same as the houses we go into. Hell, your house is not the same as I go. I can see right now you got books yep. up on a shelf. It's all neat and tidy. And that's not what we're going into, right? It's, it's jammed with shit piled up to the ceiling with garbage. I have a picture I show guys all the time of, of Two of my mates are standing on a pile of garbage that is floor to ceiling in this room. Uh, and they have about four feet left at the top. Uh, they're trying to find this guy. So anyway, all of those issues 
um, were a reason that I needed a pistol out and something that I could, you know, accurately engage somebody at typical room clearing distances. And then I started working the other side of a, of a door frame. As you're coming down the hallway, I got both left and right corners to manage. If I keep my gun on the right side of the shield and I'm pying, then the only gun is the cover dude. Now what happens when he gets shot and goes down, I don't have a gun over there, which means I'm waiting right. for somebody with a gun to step up and continue with this fight. So that made sense to me that I would holster the right-hand gun, switch hands, and pull out the left-hand gun. And it just made uh, hand switches a little bit more simple and easy. And, and it seemed to work out good for how we were doing uh, some of the slow clear stuff. Second piece, obviously, is I, the fastest reload that I can do is stuff the right gun away at slide lock and, and pull that lefty out. I challenge every class. Anybody thinks they can load faster than me with a single gun, let, let's, let's time it and see. And I, I beat them handily because a one-handed speed reload ain't real damn speedy. No, no, fuck so, no. A bunch of reasons. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I get clown out, clowned on all the time. I mean, Yosemite Sam Bell, I mean, I, I've been calling it that for fucking 20-plus years, right? I've got to, got to dress up like Yosemite Sam to carry a shield. Um, but when you start thinking about it a little bit, and particularly if you're the guy running it, it starts to make a lot of damn sense that you want that second gun and, and a second holster versus a chest mount or something like that. Where now when I'm pulling a chest mounted pistol out, I'm flagging my own arm because I'm holding a shield with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if there's yeah. guys immediately to my right or left trying to pick something up and I'm jerking that pistol out of a chest rig, I'm potentially flagging them. And yeah. they're going to be stacking up on the shield, trying to get as tight to it as they can. Uh, and But at my hip level, right at the standard draw, I'm not flagging anybody unless you're a midget standing underneath my holster. Right. I mean, and that's so, really the only options you have. I mean, uh, there's not a, I mean, you can't really feasibly work a long gun behind a shield. Just, uh, I mean, it's very unwieldy. Nope. That weight's all at the end of the barrel. And, um, <clears throat> which is so, another gimmick. That's another gimmick with shields coming out, right? Is they're trying to incorporate rifle work, but a single guy carrying a shield with a rifle. And I'm, I always laugh at it. I'm like, dude, that is, you, you're, you're going to suck at both things now. You're going to suck at both things now, right? Pick, pick one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be good at either. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's just so, the weight distribution and it's, it's a nightmare. You know, how are you going to look through, how are you going to look through irons or an optic on a rifle with you one ain't. hand? Yeah, no, is the answer no. right, and so it's it's just a shit show, and that. But you'll see shields being designed now that are cutting out the head portion to create little shoulders on it, so a guy can lay his rifle on that little shoulder thing, right, to get more. But I'm like, that's exactly where I don't want you to cut crap away because that's protecting my head and neck area, and you've just narrowed it to a point where, depending on the angle the guy is away from me, you've given him more opportunities to shoot at me versus a wide shield. But it's it's sexy, right? and I see. I mean. I, in my class, we do a down victim, down officer rescue thing with shield cover guys on both sides. And, and I, we, we live fire it because I want guys to experience what that's like, you know, have them guns going off right next to your head and shit like that. It's obviously very, safe, very controlled. Um, but it, those, those rifle things, those little cutouts don't do shit for me in that regard. They're just, they're more of an impedance than anything. Um, which is another reason that I like shooting lasers from, from that contact ready position, because that area is up near my shoulders. Those are should be occupied by dudes with rifles. So me trying to now come up at shoulder height and punch a pistol around to find a viewport, I'm taking up space that is normally or should be occupied by a guy with a rifle because he's got to get out further to not shoot me in the elbow, that that type of thing. Yeah. No, and when you get into when you have the conversation around close quarters stuff, you know, you mentioned uh if a guy goes down right in a hallway. I mean, even just looking uh like my home was built in like the late fifties. 
as opposed to homes that are built in the last 10 years. I mean, uh, doorways are no longer, what is, I don't know, like two and a half feet or whatever it was. They're three feet. Now it's three and a half feet. You got, you know, everyone's gotten fatter. So our doorways have gotten wider. So it's a different, <laughs> you know, it's a different situation. And then, you know, if you, I mean, God forbid the guy with the shield gets, I don't know, shot in the foot or something goes down. Now that's something you have to work around or somebody else goes down. So how does that, I mean, it obviously adds a layer of, complexity to what you, I mean, you have to work it into everything. It's no longer just four guys running room clearing. It's, it's three guys and a shield running room clearing. And it's different, you know, is that, so does, is the shield always number one then, or does, well, it depends on what guys are doing with it. Um, and we, depending on what we are doing, right. If it's a, if it is a slow, clear, right. Going on type of thing. So, for dudes that may not be hit, right? It's a single barricaded robbery suspect type of thing, right? Um, and so we, we get there, we surround the joint, we're negotiating, maybe push gas on them. Uh, and then that single robbery suspect comes out. We got him, he's in custody. Somebody still has to go clear the house because de- detectives have to go find evidence, right? There, there's clues <laughs> in there for the robbery crime that they're trying to, to prosecute this guy on. Well, I don't know if the robbery guy that came out, maybe he wasn't the, the worst guy in the house. Does that make sense? Because crooks yeah. tend to hang out with other crooks. Yeah. So I'm here for the robbery guy, but the murder guy that's in there thinks we're there for him. And he doesn't believe that we're just here for the robbery guy. So he stays concealed. And he don't give a shit that we were gassing. Um, and so we're going to take that as a very methodical clearing method, you know, but lots of time going on, which obviously the, the in bringing ballistic protection with you in that regard is, is makes sense. And a lot of teams will use them uh, it, for those type of clears only, um, even though I think they're universal. You can use them for a bunch of shit. In those cases, the shield will always be first because I almost always have time to, you know, hit. We're going to work this one room, do it as safe as we can. It's now clear. And now we're moving on to the next room, which means I usually have time to get that shield guy back in the right position to work the next problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Depending on the size of the team, I could have a shield guy in reserve somewhere. So the, the primary shield guy leads the way into a specific room. They're in there clearing, doing their shit. And then I can get that next uh, shield up working the next problem. So I have time to generally get those guys in the right position. Anytime you're going up or downstairs, uh, to me, shields should be leading the way because you're canalized. It's, it's a horrible place to be if a gunfight erupts. So why not bring ballistic protection in those regards? So I can always, no matter what the clearing style is, now I can get the shields to those right spots because I'm going to clear a floor before I move on to the next floor, that type of shit with exception being hostage rescue. Um, and, and so in those cases, they would always be in the front. If teams are still doing free flow warrant service where they're breach entering and then clearing generally at a much more rapid pace than the slow clears, the, the sh- in my case, with the way my team conducted business, the, the shield would never catch up. So he'll get us through the primary breach point. As an example, the front door, and and now his job is to help clear the living room or manage the living room. Everybody else is moving on. Does that make sense? And so yeah. once you get the hallway, and as you mentioned, right, the, the, I am not going into mansions, dude. That's we don't. That's, that's not where this happens. Yeah. yeah, that's not where crooks live, right? And so they are typically in the older homes, single wise with you know shoulder to shoulder with hallways and shit like that. I'm not going to waste time getting guys out of the way to get the shield up there for the next problem. Uh, because in that case, the, it's the initiative on target that is going to win the day, right? How fast can we take it and control the location, which means we're controlling the people. And so we, our, our shields would get us through the front door and then they were standing by. If there were stairs, they were trying to find, the, you know, following the team, waiting for the stairs to pop up. Then they would post up on those, finish primary, and then they would lead the way up or downstairs, that type of shit. And so uh, I think, you know, 
getting them to the front becomes a little bit problematic. And it may be one of those things where you're relying too heavily on the shield again, like we talked about earlier, right? You, you can't have it do everything, man. Um, and so I wouldn't even try to. And I tell guys all the time, right? If, hey, man, if I bought you a new helmet, would you change your, your tactics, techniques, and procedures? And they're like, well, no. Well, what if I bought you a new rifle plate? Well, no. I said, well, then don't change what you're doing for the shield. You're, you've selected what you're doing for a lot of good reasons, I hope anyway. Um, and so figure out how does the shield incorporate into what you're currently doing without any or very little modification. And, and it's almost always going to be better if you just do that, because then the guys aren't looking for the shield to solve every goddamn problem because they shouldn't be looking at that. At yeah, it that. becomes a crutch at that point instead of a, another tool in the toolbox to to some degree. I mean, I've seen teams try to force them onto everything, right? Um, I mean, we have, you know, some some elevated uh, commuter trains in my jurisdiction, the heavy uh, commuter trains. Uh, we've had a, a, a SeaTac International Airport. They were members of our regional SWAT team. So we had, you know, aircraft interdiction. We had a maritime responsibility. Uh, and there's just places that shields don't, they don't go very easily. I was just going to say, uh, that doesn't that doesn't sound good. A shield and a maritime interdiction sounds like a, an anchor. It doesn't Bro. sound like it helps. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, but I've seen teams do it right there because they are so shield heavy and so shield intensive that they're going to force those things into every single nook and cranny. And, and the, you know, to them, they're saying, Hey man, we're getting success with it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I guess if you guys are getting success with it, you know, but I don't know what the definition of that is from team to team. I mean, to maybe, team. yeah, maybe that's the, I don't know the next step. Cause I've seen some of these, uh, they're like uh they look like garment bags you know and they they unzip and they fold down and you got like a soft armor shield and everything maybe that's a better application there but i i i actually you know i look at something like that and i question whether it's going to be super effective just because it is very soft and very floppy and uh it may stop the round but i'm just thinking you know if you actually get hit where you're holding it behind there then it feels more like a broken arm than anything else i mean yeah you're not dead so i guess maybe mission accomplished but um is there is is there virtue to something like that in those applications? It it feels like it's more of a gimmick just to give people. Uh, honestly, it feels more geared towards the civilian side. Is what yeah. it looks like. So there may be that. Um, there are a lot of police departments that buy them uh, because now you're not getting a viewport that's getting all scratched to hell and back and unusable. Um, you know, a rigid, a hard shield is going to take up more trunk space and more space in the vehicle than something you can fold up and, you know, like you said, put into a garment bag or some type of zip out configuration or, or tear some Velcro straps and it unfolds. Um, but yeah, I mean, back face deformation is a thing, right? Um, and so that's a consideration. And then most of those, and I'm trying to, I don't know of any, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I'm just unaware of it, but I don't know of any that have viewports. Uh, and so now you're forced to stick your head around the side of it to navigate and or shoot anyway. So to me, the one spot that needs it the most is now exposed to to gunfire. That's I don't like hard shields that yeah. don't have viewports. I want, you know, I want viewports in the shit because I want to be able to drive myself around, not have somebody guide me because I can't see what the hell I'm doing. It kind of negates the purpose in my opinion. But that's one yeah, thing. And that goes, you know, until you, we'd said earlier in the discussion, right? I mean, when you're looking at purchasing and buying, does it, yes, they're affordable, right? They're 150 bucks or 200, 450 bucks, whatever, which is still way cheaper than eight grand. But to what end? That might just be money flushed on the toilet or, or very limited applications there, you know? And I guess, so it, it, when you're looking at, at, at that regard, like, are we going to, we have this much money, is it better to spend it or spend it on something else, you know, like, are there still, uh, I guess, agencies out there that that don't adopt shields that they don't oh, want absolutely. shields? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
I mean, for what reason, though? I don't under I mean, I know what you get media pressure. Everyone says militarized police forces and that always, I I've actually had that argument with friends like it's, it's defensive gear. It's life saving. It's life preserving. It can save a civilian life. It, I don't what do you I don't understand why you would never why you wouldn't want something like that. So a chunk of it is, so, I mean, you mentioned earlier, right? If an officer is shot and goes down, um, to me, those that is a great application for a shield because now yeah. I can put known ballistic protection in forward of it while we're trying to manage it and figure out what we're going to do with it. And the same would go for obviously a down citizen, right? I can, I, I it gives me more time to do stuff with that. Now, sometimes people that haven't handled a dead body or completely dead weight think it's the same as trying to pick me up in a fireman's category, but carry, but I'm, I'm providing muscle resistance. That makes sense. I'm tensing stuff up to make me a more rigid platform, making me easier to carry mm-hmm. dead weight. is completely different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so the, the time it takes to bundle all that up and get it moving is more problematic than a lot of people say, well, you know, you can train. I know you can train it. I'm just saying it's more difficult. So to me, there's value added in, in that regard. Um, there are teams that don't, they have them, but they'll only use them for the slow clears, but they want to incorporate and other shit because the ttps that they selected it, it's more difficult to put it in the mix does that make sense um so as an example a, a, a current trend you know the gy is four-man combat clears where you clear a single room at a time it's a four-man element and you guys you, you do one and then you move to the next you do one you move to the next that type of thing and it's very very difficult to fit a shield into that type of ttp because i don't know who is going to be in which position each and every time we leave a room they're all equitable dudes does that make sense and so yeah, it's not like yeah. You know, assigning a guy um, to carry the shield who's always going to do masking, as an example, uh, you know, down the hallway, he, he may not be in the right position to accomplish that task or the circumstances may not allow it if it's opposing open doors or a T intersection or some other shit like that. And, and, and there's that. There's other dudes that have the mindset, well, if it's going to be a gunfight, then I want to be armed with a rifle, not a, not a damn pistol one handed. And I completely get that part. Um, and so they, but they abandon shields entirely because of that mindset. Um, and whether that's good or bad, you know, remains to be, to be seen, man. I, I think they're, they have a, they have a place in a lot of stuff. I think some teams overuse them. And I think some teams dramatically underuse them um, because they either don't know what they're doing with them or they're not sure how to, or maybe they don't want to change TTPs to accommodate the, the piece of equipment. And, and I'm not saying that's yeah. a bad thing necessarily, right? You, you do what you do, man. We all select tactics for, I'm hoping. Because no, I mean, if it works, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if, mean it, if it, if it works, then that's, I think, you know, that's obviously what, what matters. I, uh, I, I think, um, you know, when you, when you look at it, I think, I don't know if, what do I know? Right. Uh, but it, it just seems like it's too useful of a, a, a piece of equipment too much an advantage, right. To, to not work it in. I mean, and uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It provides or it creates difficulty when looking at it from a, a TTP standpoint. Okay. But then why do you train? Like why that'd be like, Hey, we, it'd be like, yeah, we were gonna, you know, we ran MP fives and you know, the five, five, six penetration, way better idea works way better. We love it. But then we'd have to change. So, uh, you know, we're just going to we're just going to hang out here. And it's like, OK, um, you know, I mean, that's just the way when I mean, I see that. I mean, I, I understand, but it just seems like, yeah, it is difficult. Change is difficult. Uh, but why not give yourself every opportunity to be more successful? I don't know the answer to that, man. It, I, I think <laughs> some of it, I mean, you know, it's a, a, 
lately I've been bringing, I, I wrote a, I have a Patreon page, right? And so I put, put some stuff in there, but I, you, and you probably saw this too. I mean, everybody's probably seen this thing that's got any kind of tactical mindset, but it's a, on my Facebook feed as I'm scrolling through looking at, you know, uh, shit. Um, I, I kept getting this picture of a World War II fighter plane and it was a drawing of it. And there were little red marks all over the wingtips, um, both the front, you know, the normal wings and then the tail wings and, and stuff. And if you read the article, uh, it talks about how uh, during World War II, those planes were returning. Uh, you know, they'd go either an escort run for bombers or just go out, you know, anti-fighter bullshit, whatever the hell you call it. They would come back. They got bullet holes all over them. And so the initial engineers were looking at it and go, well, well shit, these, this is where they're getting shot. We need to armor up these areas areas of the plane, right? It just makes sense. They're coming, they ain't getting bullet holes here. They're getting them here. And and, and so let's armor up that area. And then they brought in some dude, um, you know, chaos engineer, wherever the fuck he was. And, and he looked at this for like three seconds because you guys are fucking up. The, the, those are the planes that are coming. They're making it back, which means those bullet holes are inconsequential. Where, where right. are those planes that ain't coming back getting shot? And my guess is they're in exactly the opposite spots of where these motherfuckers are getting shot. So those yeah. are the spots you need to armor up so that the planes can make it home because the wingtips obviously have having any effect. And I, I remember reading that, but that makes a lot of damn sense, right? And so digging into that, World War One, the new helmet comes out, right? And, and surgeons are bitching, saying this helmet doesn't work. We're, we're getting a lot of guys coming in with, with traumatic brain, brain injuries, you know, head injuries and, and into their mercy rooms and this and that and everything. And, and so the helmet's fucked up. And they've checked it down. They're like, no, prior to this helmet, you weren't getting dudes into the emergency room because they were all fucking dead. The helmet's working to give you a chance to save the guy's mm -hmm. life. Right. And so sometimes looking at it from that perspective and one of the things that comes up you know, germane to this conversation is, well, our TTPs work or they'll say, well, how often have you been opposed? Right. So I, I use the technique where I strip naked and put my thumb on, in my butt and I walk backward <laughs> through the house. Right. Uh. <laughs> and it works every goddamn time. I've never had been shot at with simunitions engagements. My, my, my best replication is working like a champ. And then dudes will go, well, how, when, when's the last time you got opposed using that technique? And I go, well, I've never been opposed. Well, with our technique, we've been opposed a hundred times and we've won every time. And I think the way they're thinking about it is fucked up because maybe walking backwards with my thumb in my butt is preventing me from being opposed in the first place. The tactic is working so well that it doesn't give, afford an opportunity for me to be opposed. You've been opposed yeah. 100 times. Maybe it's the tactic that is the issue, <clears throat> not the fact that you're winning, right? Because we're going to win most because most bad guys mm -hmm. suck with guns. I mean, that's just the bottom. And, and I'm throwing so many numbers at you that I will prevail, right? I mean, I shoot pretty good, but if a SWAT team hit my house right now and I went to guns on them, I will end up getting killed or or very badly injured before I take out the entire goddamn team. You know what I mean? It's just it's oh, yeah. a numbers game, man. They, they will get me at some point. And so I, sometimes you, with the, the hesitation to incorporate shields and maybe make a slight adjustment to TTPs, they've been, well, we haven't had a problem in the past. Well, have you had the right problem or are you thinking about this from the wrong direction? Does that make sense? No, yeah. The other thing, guys will go do simunition hits, right? And as a general rule, as a good guy, if I'm doing a marking cartridge run, absent it being a, a, a training thing for the team, I ain't going down. You can, I mean, I've been shot right in the face mask several times and I don't, oh, good Lord, I'm hit, I'm down, go bullshit. I stay up <laughs> yeah. and I keep fighting. Does that make sense? Unless yeah. you as the proctor are following me around, see me get hit, and then you hit me and say, Blowers, you are down. Now I know it's part of the training iteration. How are they going to manage the down officer? They're still getting engaged. Well, you know, all that kind of shit that goes into that training aspect. Other than that, I'm staying on my feet. And so I'll ask guys all the time, okay, based on what you're currently doing, are you auditing and keeping track of how often you are being shot? 
with paint. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only answer is they look at me like I'm a dumbass. What do you mean? I'm like, okay, so the, your last training day, how many of your guys were hit in spots not in the plate? I don't know. Were some of them? The answer is always yes, right? Because you're doing whatever, you know, 50 hits in a day, somebody's going to get shot with paint in there. Does that make sense? It's just, that's just the way it goes. It'll definitely happen, yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean your tactics suck or any of that kind of crap. It, it's just, it's, it's number, it's a numbers game, right? The odds are going up that you will get hit at some point, but nobody audits that shit. So you know, I, I am using this technique with no shields. And if you start keeping track, okay, we had, you know, 10 guys shot in the face mask today, uh, 10 guys shot in the shoulder, 10 guys shot on the oblique where it would have passed beyond on the outside of the play. Does that make sense? Like through the, through the armpit. Does that make sense? It's a oh, okay. Shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just an angle or, you know, somebody fucked up and didn't pick their assignment and it created the opportunity for the bad guy, but keep track of those hits. Now do the same shit with a shield and let's compare the numbers from one month to the last and, and see if there is a reduction. And I'm not saying there necessarily would be, but that would be the true test, right? What we've always done resulted in this many injuries and or potential death. If they were real bullets with the shield, it was significantly less. Well, that might be a clue that you should probably start to, you know, incorporate some shields. If the answers, the numbers are the same, well, then who gives a shit, man, right? Do whatever the hell you want to do. But I, I think we both know what that would end up resulting in. Yeah, I'd have to believe that you'd be <clears throat> you'd be in a much. I mean, and and like we talked about earlier, right? The this the adjacent benefits, right, are also there. You give yourself just just more options in addition to not not taking as many rounds. And I, again, I, I mean, yeah, you'd have to audit it out, look at the numbers, make like a fair assessment. But I have to believe that you'd be better off, you know, measurably better off than uh, you know with it than without it. Um, yep. And like I was saying, you know, then you have options for uh evacuating hostages uh you know downed officer or, or you know dead body whatever have you um just gives you more options and that's i i don't i never understood that way of thinking like oh well, we don't and, and and that's the world we're in today right you know um things like shields things like uh the I don't even know, Bearcat armored vehicle, right? Oh, it's military. Oh, it's military uh, equipment. It's surplus military equipment. Why do police need this? Um, and it's, well, because it gives you options, man. You know, like it gives you options. And, and usually it's not, no one ever gets pissed about the rifles. That almost never makes the headlines. For whatever reasons, it, it's usually always the armored vehicle, honestly. But then I've had people, I've had friends, usually very liberal ones. You know, why do cops need that stuff? Why do they need to be dressed up in riot gear? And they use the term riot gear pretty like, you know, encompassing like it's it's like, well, dude, that plexiglass shield really isn't anything that that particular shield's actually kind of a, a joke. But it, it's I don't know. They're defensive, dude. It's for protection. It's not to go out and hurt anybody. Can you fuck somebody up with the shield? Yeah, I mean, definitely ruin their day. But it, it's a protective tool. It's what it was designed for it was never designed specifically for attack. So I when that kind of stuff gets around, I'm like, why wouldn't you give people the opportunity, you know, uh, best outcome scenario. That's, that's the headline you want, right? Hey, no loss of life. Uh, this is, this is a good day all around. I mean, the criminal's a piece of shit and he did whatever he did to get us here. Right. Uh, or, or get you there. Um, right. But, uh, he's alive. So he can, he's going to sit out his sentence. He's going to pay his, you know, debt to society. And I mean, everyone wants to see that, I think. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that I think gets you it's not going it to never, it's never a guarantee. Right. But it gets you closer and yeah. that's what they want. Yeah. Some of it too, man, is that you're so, 
there's there's the other shit right so like i'm, I'm sure you've seen the um polycarbonate visors that go on helmets right they're three yeah three, a giant bit they're fucking heavy as shit um and so the question the guys will bring up as an art counter argument is where does it end right so i got a shield but i still have vulnerability so i, I guess i need one of these visors on now right it weighs eight pounds or whatever the hell and then early on they like catcher shin guards you know what i'm talking about like catcher yep. oh yeah yep. they make a they make a ballistic version of that uh and i remember back in the day going man i want that right if i have if i have my legs protected and i have a shield in front of me i am an unstoppable juggernaut right i mean you can't get me now at this point so let me have them shit so then i put the I, we, they bought the shin guards uh, worn but they were so big and clunky and you know, reduced mobility to a point where I was like, these are fucking worthless because I can't move and do shit in them, even though I understand that they're stopping a bullet if I get shot in the leg. Does that make sense? And so I oh, shit yeah. can them. And I think sometimes with shields, it's the same thing. Man, it's cumbersome. I can't see as good in it. Um, I mean, I, you give me any experienced SWAT guy that, that's firing on all cylinders with his team TTPs, and I put a shield in his hand, he's going to look like a brand new guy again. He's going to be bumping into shit. He can't see worth of crap. He's going to be tripping over, you know, debris on the floor because your your field of vision, uh, your you know your peripheral vision, not just left and right, but up and down, obviously goes in the shit in, in, into the can, shit can, um, and and they just don't feel comfortable with it. And, and you know, until they start to feel comfortable, they ain't going to use the damn thing, and they're going to fight it every way they possibly can a chunk yep, of that is outfitting the guy correctly right so with my case our shield guys got assigned that task um and they you know that's what they did for several years now I, we don't want to pigeonhole them right there's other jobs on the team maybe they're interested in uh, but once you pick the shield up and we put you through shield school you're going to carry that thing for two years because we're buying you a bunch of equipment to make your life easier we also wanted you to get a bunch of training reps in because once you get a bunch of training behind it you you don't feel encumbered anymore, right? It's just like everything else. The more you do it, the better you get with it. And I think there are just some teams that don't want to, they don't want to cross that bridge or nobody on the team wants to do it. So they're all bitching about it in the teal <laughs> or whoever doesn't want to yeah. say well, tough shit, you're doing it kind of a thing. Um, you know, and, and, and so it just falls away. So, I, you know, the, the patrol side of the house is, is harder, man. When we first brought bottom for patrol, uh, you know, they're like, well, we need to provide some training. I'm like, oh, sweet. It's a 16 hour class. And of course, with staffing and, you know, got to still have bodies on the road and mm -hmm. this and that, they're like, well, congratulations, you get two hours, man. And I go, what the fuck am I going to do in two hours, right? What am I going to do in two oh, hours? Yeah. The answer you are absolutely correct. Now, on the, on the SWAT side of the house, at least on my team, we're training 30 hours a month. They got a, a full 10 hour day for just firearms. And so I can elevate the overall proficiency level with the one handed shooting. With the patrol guys getting two hours, I got to cover a bunch of crap in two hours, not all shooting based. Uh, and and so what we found was even the very squared away patrol guys they they were sucking when they're trying to you know hold 25 pounds in one hand and a pistol in the other uh, i mean they were already not good one-handed anyway now i'm adding in this anchor on the other side and it, it was just a terrible experience so I, I remember going back to boston hey man we, this is fucked up you know let, let's do this instead let's ask for some volunteers from the patrol division that are interested let's assign those guys as separate training days and let's give them the full two day class. And what they settled on was one day, right? We were getting volunteers. So physically capable of carrying the thing, probably better shooters, all that kind of crap. Um, and so they came and got a single day after that. Obviously we saw better performance because these guys wanted to do it in addition to already shooting halfway decent. But then the problem is you track forward a year and I'm like, I need the shield guys again, right? We need to do maintenance training now and make sure that they're still good to go and, and get them scored away. And then, oh, well, you know, we got staffing issues again and a full 10 hour day again. And it's not that patrol can't do it, but they generally aren't afforded the training time to be able to get good at it. 
Does that make sense? I mean, on my no, team, I mean, I'm just surprised to hear that it's something that's even uh, afforded as an option in a patrol in a patrol capacity. I mean, you, 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 so you got to remember, they got to they got to drive a car fast. They got to find clues. They got to do DV shit. They got case law updates. They got. I mean, there's a million things that need to get covered during in-service training. Some of them are on the fighting man side of the house. You look at it and you go, that's dumb as fuck, right? But the community <laughs> is demanding it. So I'm spending yeah. five hours doing cultural diversity, right, to make sure that I'm not prejudiced or that I am checking my own prejudices so that, and they're not coming out. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be impartial. Uh, and, and I think those are valuable things, right? The I would, yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. I mean that you got to do that training with, but then that's taking away hours from other stuff and, and you still got to, you still got to staff the streets. I mean, you still got to have dudes that are out there shagging calls, you know, the, the, the mundane routine shit, as well as the hot calls coming out. Um, and so where, where does the time come from, man? And at a certain point you just run out of time where you can't give it back. And so then the option is, well, we could pay guys overtime to come in. But then the dudes aren't that keen on doing that because now you're affecting my days off, right? I'm, I like the overtime pay. I want the money, but you're, I, now I don't get to go to my kid's ball game because that's the day the shield class was scheduled for. And so I'm, I'm being paid to go, you know, additionally to go learn this new task, but it's also affecting me on the home front. Yeah. So it's, it's far more problematic, I think, than most guys give it, it give it its due, right? And I mean, there's, there's shit. I mean, you just said, right. Culture versus, I think that's important for cops and I, I don't disagree, man. Right. But I don't think guys think about that. They just, they see the badge and the gun. Why doesn't that cop shoot better, bro? Because he's got that's, other shit. That's, that he's gotta do. It, you know, it, I, I love when people throw that out, like what, you know, uh, especially you, you social media comments and things like, Oh, like, Oh, they clutch their pearls and why didn't they less lethal? Everyone loves that. It's a buzz term, right? Oh, we're going to invest money in less lethal training for cops or, you know, politicians get out there and they'll grandstand. Oh, we're, you know, they should have had less lethal training. They should have had this. And it's like, okay, well, <clears throat> you guys are the assholes sitting here screaming defund the police. Uh, do you come into work for free? Like I sure as shit don't. They shouldn't either. They also, you know, like, hey, they work a 40. Anything after that should be overtime. They're entitled to the same perks and benefits that everybody else is. So understand that when, and and I love it, because as soon as you start throwing that back, then there's always, yeah, but, yeah, but, well, it's different because, no, it's not. There's training costs money. When you go to in-service training at work, if you're a teacher, you are paid for the day that you're there. I work in finance. When I have to do training, I am paid for the time that I am on the computer, when I'm in the office, whatever. It's no different, except that when you have to a lot of this stuff, right, you're bringing in guys like yourself or subject matter experts to, to fill these gaps. And, and maybe not even that. Maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's just like, you know, it's a maintenance training or remedial training is handled by the department. So that's but it's still you're paying those people to teach the, the information or run the training. You're training the, like the officers have to be there. It's all it's money. It's time. It's it's I just I, it drives me nuts. I think there, it, it, the size of the department also has something to do with it. Right. So, I mean, our typical in-service class for, for a week that we ran four cycles, four days of it. And there were five cycles. Does that makes sense. So you got 50 total hours of in-service training yeah. per year, but each one of those classes. So do the math on that, right? That's four classes per block and five total blocks, right? Which is a massive, it's a pretty good amount of time compared to most places. But within that, I got to cover all of this other shit. And the class sizes are 40 fucking dudes. And so think about 40 guys on a range trying to get better at shields. Hey, I don't even have that many goddamn shields 
to, to <laughs> right two two per right. guy that's 20 damn shields uh to manage and then you know the bullet cost and it goes back to a whole bunch of stuff man you know and then generally with a 40 man class your your best option is lecture based it's really tough to do hands-on shit with 40 dudes right now and we did it we would be multiple instructors now on scene but it would go into a round robin type of shit so they'd be doing counter ambush shield normal you know rifle and pistol shooting type of shit building clearing all these different things and they would spend a couple of hours on each topic and then bounce within their smaller group to these to these things to try to fit it in there and you hope you're you know putting a spark in somebody to motivate them maybe they can throw their you know their pocket change in a jar and and pay for a class once a year uh, maybe they don't go to starbucks every day and you know and get the eight dollar latte and by the end of the year they got enough to go to a class uh, yeah. but, you know which is the the other component of saying and it sounds like i'm making a bunch of excuses for cops but and i'm not but you know i know cops that like to fish that ain't part of being a cop no no, it's, I, it's, I mean, everyone's got to have a hobby, man. I mean, <laughs> right. And so that's taking up time and money too. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it's just, it's, it's almost a vicious circle, man, of what, of how difficult it is. And then I think the other thing too, man, is that like every profession we got does, bro. We got does. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Guys that don't give a shit and they're just there for the, you know, the paycheck and, you know, they're just shit birds and, and everybody knows it, but you can't fire them yet. Right. Cause they're, they're meeting the minimum standard um, and they don't, they don't want anything to do with it, which can drag a whole class down. Um, anytime I tell 20 people, you will be at this fucking class, no matter what, that, that's where your job is today. I'm paying you to go to this class. You're going to get a chunk of those that don't want shit to do with this, no matter what, right there. And that brings the whole goddamn class down with this guy's bad. Even if he's just sulking, right. It, it, it creates an atmosphere that makes people not want to, get after it you know what i mean and and then yeah you gotta do somewhere in the middle and then you got the guys that are super motivated and you probably don't even need to give them the class because there already been 27 shield classes on their own type of shit you know what i mean and, and so yeah. sometimes it's the it is the human dynamic that affects some of this stuff and and getting people up to up to snuff on on this specific piece of equipment man yeah i mean i i don't i don't know why you wouldn't as somebody who's in this line in that line of work right uh and again i've never done it but if I had, if I do, I would think that you would want to give yourself the opportunity and, and maybe like you said, there's, there's lots of people that have never shot a gun until they go through the Academy. They didn't join the police force uh, or the sheriff's department, right. To, to shoot somebody to shoot guns. It's not really their thing. There's a lot of other reasons that you can get involved in that line of work and it's all good stuff. Uh, but at some point, yeah, I, I, I would think you just you have the conversation with yourself. Like, here's the reality of what the fuck's happening. Like, turn on the goddamn TV, man. It ain't getting any easier out there. Uh, and that's, you know, you mentioned the racial profiling piece or whatever. Like, that's one that's one whole mess. Aside from the fact that, like, I mean, uh, 2020, how many we had all kinds of shit going on in this country to begin with. And how many times do we turn on the news? And uh, I know I think Vegas had it at, like two different times cops ambushed in their car just sitting there and i mean it's so whether you want to or not it is the reality of the situation you have to deal with it if that means that as much as i hate to say you should quit being a police officer because we need good cops obviously every society i think does uh but if you're not i mean that it's it's the reality of what's going on you know if i really hated numbers and i just sucked at math and i just didn't want to do it ever again i'd probably quit my job in finance and and find something else to do that 
it didn't make me so, you know, goddamn miserable. Uh, it's just, you know, I think that's, we have to move with the times, you know, mindset, training, all of it. You just have to understand like what you're getting into, uh, at least to some degree. And hey, yeah, I mean, it's going to suck a little bit. I, I, it's unfortunate. You know, I don't, I don't know what else to say to that really, you know, it is what it is. What it is. is. <laughs> and I think, it, you know, there so the current trend that i don't know of a police department in america that's fully staffed right now because nobody wants to be a cop at the in this current day and age right oh why would you why yeah, would you absolutely horrible right and so that also adds in a dimension where i've still got to have minimum staffing on the road for calls and you know that are coming out in progress people being hurt uh, all that kind of shit and, and you need bodyguard responder and obviously that means that you won't that they ain't going to get training as much man they just, you yeah. know they ain't it's got a yeah, it's got to come from somewhere. So whether you're yeah. cutting guys out of training or, or what, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not a monetary thing. You know, I'm, I know there's, I've seen there's ads, uh, you know, signing bonuses uh, or, or I don't know, signing bonus, but yeah, here, you know, if you have experience, come join this city's sheriff's department. Uh, and here, I mean, you're going to come in making 60 grand a year, which I think is is high, I guess someone told me. Plus we'll give you, you know, five grand after 90 days or something. And it's like, okay i mean wow i'd never heard of that in public service before a signing bonus that's usually like the shit in corporate america that people chase uh but yep. sometimes i guess you know if you got more uh more money than you do uh you know anything else because uh, you don't have enough people you do something with it otherwise you don't you, you don't use it you lose it that's how budgeting works and in, in uh you know the public space unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. Tough, tough time for sure man but you know, uh, Bill, this has been awesome, man. I I really appreciate you you coming on and talking with me. Uh, I learned a ton. I honestly want to take a shield class now. Like I, it probably sucked. Uh, I mean, I I hit the have gym heard, four days a week, but it doesn't sound like I would thrive. I'll say that. Have you? Uh, I'm assuming you've heard of Taylor Freelance. Uh, magazine based place he makes my oh, yeah i was gonna say that's who i thought it was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah robin taylor so he's up here in washington state and i was doing a class and he got a hold of me and said hey man you know i saw your the the class poster can i come to it and i said well i i, I gotta check with the agency and i mean typically that's the le only but if they don't have if they don't care i damn sure don't care um and so they didn't care so he came to the class and i mean i knew who he was knew his reputation i, I knew he was already good you know good good shooter knows range etiquette and understands the firearm safety rules all that shit um, and so he came to the class, man. And, uh, and I think he had actually wrote an article about it in uh, Dylan blue press. Um, but his, the, his whole thing was exactly like he, he was curious about it. And, you know, he's wondering, is there a spot in this for my home defense plan? Um, and the way he, on the article, he, I thought he did a good job of illustrating why he might want that as a private homeowner and, uh, you know, two story home, he's going to barricade upstairs because that's where the wife and kids are at. And you can steal everything downstairs and, you know, why not have the ballistic protection at the top of the stairwell? And as long as you don't come up here, everything's fucking fine. Uh, but if you do, or if you want to have a gunfight, um, then he's got no ballistic protection right there. So, I, you know, it's not, it, I, again, I don't think popularity with citizens, I think is, there's a couple of reasons why it's not very popular. Number one is the expense to buy a shield is, is obviously it's expensive, right? You got other shit that you yeah. with. And then what's the application as a single, as a single homeowner, um, you know, does it make sense in that environment that type of shit? And I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. You'd have to make those decisions on your own. Um, but, but I, I, 
I can't say that having ballistic protection somewhere in my house that that is bigger than what I'm wearing or that I can put on would be a bad idea in the event of a home invasion. I think it would be a good idea. And I plan to do exactly what every, every Joe does, right? Me and my wife are bonkering up. You can steal everything. I got insurance that will replace all that shit. And right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. On-duty on cops can come and do their on-duty cop shit. And I'm, me and my wife are just going to hide right here in the fucking, in the closet, man. Yeah. And, and, and it just kind of makes sense to me. Now, I'm in a position that I have a bunch of shields because I teach some bitches. And so guess where one sits? It's right there in the closet, man. And that's Ready what I plan to do. Yeah, I mean, I ain't gonna get up and clear the house with the son of a gun, um, but if it's a known thing, then I'm damn sure gonna put it in between me and my wife, you know, and potential gunfire. It just kind of makes sense to me, man. Yeah, no, I mean, and so if there's, uh, I know we have a lot, a wide range of folks in the audience, but anybody listening that wants to look into uh, your classes and everything, where can they find you online? Uh, so I have a website, taprack.com, tap-rack.com. Uh, uh, the calendar is on there. You click it. It's a, I don't like the calendar on the website. You have to scroll it. You know what I mean? So it'll show you like each date, but then it's a whole big, it's not like a calendar. You have to scroll down. Uh, so there's that on Facebook um, and Instagram. Uh, I am Taprack Tactical uh, on both those. I'll usually post up like next 90 days. Here's a class that's coming up, that type of uh, stuff. I'm, uh, the Taprack Facebook page got hacked. Um, and so I can put How stuff nice. on it. Yeah, real nice. Uh, but I don't have control of that page anymore, so I can post stuff to it. The guys that hacked it don't have control either, but I can't. I mean, I, I just don't see shit. So there are other places, my Bill Blowers, uh, like Flowers with a B, uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, and I post that. As a matter of fact, I just did it this morning, post up next 90 days of classes coming up, that type of thing. The, and again, the real restriction, would, I mean, I, I don't give a shit, right? If a dude like you say, hey, man, I got a range and we got a bunch of dudes that want to do a shield class or you down. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm coming. Let's, go, let's, let's do it up. Uh, but generally, those are hosted by police departments, and so the restriction is whether they allow uh, private citizens on on the on their range facility because of liability or whatever. You know, what I mean, it has nothing to do with yeah. the cops not wanting to shoot with citizens or me not wanting to teach citizens. It's all liability. Liability. Driven. Yep. It is, yep. man, and it's unfortunately it's attorneys and and risk managers for the organization that make those decisions, and then the guys are just stuck with them. So, yeah, that's the way she goes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you if you want a shield class, man, get a hold of me. I'm I'm happy to come out. Everybody, you know, I need one shield for every two dudes. That's the one downside. And I ain't flying somewhere with ten goddamn shields. I mean, that's you know, it's just not happening. Yeah, that might be a little bit uh, not feasible. I would think. Yeah, but it's, it's a little but, uh, it's a little bit uh, cost prohibitive. Yeah, but but thank you uh, again. Seriously, just awesome to hear everything you had to share, and uh, and just is awesome. You know, I have no idea about any of this stuff. So uh, it's really cool. And I get to sit down and, and learn stuff that I, uh, not that I know a ton, but like that I just genuinely have never gotten the opportunity on. So I, very cool. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, and just thank you. And uh, I'll, I'll be in touch, sir. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I appreciate you having me on for sure. I think we may be pretty challenged to find somebody who didn't learn something there. Uh there's there's a lot to unpack you know uh bill's a great guy very very smart dude uh and like i said in the introduction right a expert in his in in his field you know working with shields and everything uh so much there that i didn't have any idea about talking about cutting up armor for you know uh applications and ticket books and and why clipboard size armor panels are actually useful i mean i remember during the discussion sitting there going well that's not there's no use to that and when he explains, you know, how you can leverage it, 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 all of a sudden, yeah, there are 
benefits to things like that. Uh, and just hearing, you know, everything, the, the training aspect, how, how shields play into law enforcement and CQB, uh, and just working with the shield and the developments. It's, it's fascinating stuff. You know, if you listen to that whole thing, you didn't learn something there. I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. Maybe you're, I mean, you're way better at this than I am. Um, but I very, very thrilled that I was able to sit down and talk with Bill as long as I was, uh, pick his brain on some things, have a conversation, you know, and, uh, and he's been, he's been doing it for a while. You know, he knows what's going on. He has experienced it. You know, he talked about it going from, you know, the, the mid nineties where there was just not a lot of training to be had. The technological developments weren't there. The access to information and innovation just wasn't there. Uh, and, and took it upon himself, you know, Hey, I, I got to make this work. I'm going to find out the ways to help other people, uh, you know, also make this work. And that's, you know, those are the kinds of people in this community that I think we need to look to more. We need to listen to more. We need to seek out more because they're the innovators are the people that have figured it out and continue to figure it out and work on ways that, that we can be better and do better with what we have. Outstanding conversation. Like I legitimately smiling the whole time. Love talking with Bill. Uh, you know, uh, and I, I've said this before about guests, and I'll definitely say it about this guest. Uh, consider myself very fortunate that I'm in the position I'm in to have these kinds of people on, have these conversations, share your thoughts, hear what they have to say. You know, uh, it's it's incredibly humbling that uh, people even you know agree to to give me some of their time. Um, I love it. It's amazing, and I, I hope you guys sincerely. I hope you guys really enjoyed. Uh, the conversation, listening to what was going on, uh, hearing about it. And if you're in law enforcement, I know we have, you know, several of you guys out there listening that are law enforcement, whether you're a reserve officer, whether you're sheriffs, uh, you know, uh, whatever, campus campus police, uh, you know, anything. I really, you know, hope that this information comes to you and helps you in your endeavors. And I really hope that, you know, you guys are able to maybe get Bill out to teach your agency. You know, there are really, really good teachers out there. Bill's one of them. There's a lot of bad teachers out there. Make sure that you guys are looking into quality education, quality training, and, you know, just and good sources of information. Um, that was that was great. You know, not that I ever go into any of these discussions thinking, man, this is going to be bad, but uh, I just didn't realize how, how cool that was going to be. So I really enjoyed myself. Uh, you know, certainly look forward to, you know, the next time I get to, to connect with Bill and talk with Bill and, and, and pick his brain on more things. Maybe by then I'll, I'll have learned a few more things about this and, and who knows, but, uh, that's all for me, you guys. Uh, this week's episode was an absolute blast. Uh, I'm still working on getting, you know, lining stuff up next few weeks here are going to be some pretty cool ones. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the next few guests we have lined up and the next few discussions. So stay tuned for more, but until then, you guys get out there, hit the range. Like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. <laughs> <laughs>